Welcome to Exit the Red Race, the podcast for high performers who want to enter the next level in business and in life with more focus, more energy, clarity, and freedom. We don't do dusty book wisdom or guru quotes. It's all about real, extraordinary experiences and the raw lessons from daily life. He asks you the questions that no one else does. Sometimes tough, sometimes in your face, but always with one goal, challenging you to live your most legendary life. Here's your host, Daniel Kluke. Exit the Red Race. So today, I am talking with Jason Psycho Suddy, a wonderful guy from New Zealand and six-time world champion in different disciplines around fighting, like Thai boxing, Thai fighting, K1. And we're talking about how do you deal with confidence when you have to fight for the world title and somebody is one or two sizes bigger than you? What is it that you say to yourself to gain confidence? How do you develop discipline? How do you deal with failing? And how do all those things that you experience as a professional fighter translate in being a family man? And that's what it's all about today. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Today I'm talking with Jason Sudi uh, from New Zealand. And he's, uh, I think, it's a, at this holiday with some of his kids. He's a great guy that was one of my students when I was teaching the Wim Hof method a few years ago. He's now a Wim Hof method instructor himself. But what is really interesting also for this conversation is that he is like, if I'm correct, six time world champion. Hi. A kickboxing yep. uh, yeah, expert. He has several world titles. So we're going to talk about, let's say, the relationship between the Wim Hof method, uh, personal development, but also his uh, history in fighting. Sometimes, as you can hear, you have some wonderful kids on the background. And that is great because that is a wonderful opportunity to get to know him directly yeah. in his family environment. <laughs> kids are a personal development too. So Jason, first of all, thank you so much of yeah, being on this call with me uh, today. Uh, we met each other uh, into, let's say, the, the Wim Hof method, uh, eco ecological system. But what I want to dive in mostly into today is not a lot of people have done what you've done, being a six-time world champion, right? Yeah, six times. I've got six world titles, five different weights, four different federations. So I covered all bases. Yeah, I'm really interested. We're going to talk about today, I want to talk about habits, routines with you, motivation. We talked about in, in, in the fourth conversation about how you deal with fear. Everybody talks about mindset and they are just words. But when you are a six-time world champion and have so many other world titles, my, my, my first question to you is what was, let's say, you started at the age around 60, 17, uh, I've seen uh, on your, let's say, on, online. What drove you? What was your driving force? And maybe still is because I'm still, I know you're still in that scene. What drives you until the day of today to be in that scene of, yeah, let's say the fighting world? Well, okay. What drives me today is um, I can't fight, I can't fight anymore. Um, and I live through my students. I make them the best that they are. They get high from their win and I get high from um, being behind them in the corner. When it comes to fighting, they say the first fight is 80% mental and 20% physical. Let me tell you, it's all 80% mental. It's yeah. all 80% mental all the time. Yeah. So I'm very, I'm very good at the mental part. So I was a very small super heavyweight. So I went up to, you know, I've, I've fought 150 kilograms, six foot, I'm, I'm five foot 11. I fought six foot 11, 8% body fat, 150, 135 kilograms, 150 kilograms. So I'm good at mindset. I know how I'm good at mindset, and that's what I love about the Wim Hof method. I get to um, I get to put my experience from fighting in the ring to getting in the ice. Ah, I, I'm interested because uh, you know me. I'm always listening to your pattern. So you say uh, hey, fighting is eighty percent mindset, twenty percent technique. So what makes that you say 
I have a really strong or really good mindset. What is it that, let's say, because it's just a label for something, what would you define if we would specify it more? What is a good mindset? What is that 80% you need to make it happen? Confidence. Confidence, yeah. Confidence, a strong will, uh, and never say die will, <laughs> uh, never give up. You get hit down, you get up and you carry on. And um, so my, my motto at the gym is, well, I've got two. I've got respect all fear none and die fighting. And I've got die fighting tattooed on the, my back shoulders. And I just live it, man. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna get in the ring, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose on my feet. And that's my mindset before I get in. Mm. I'm always confident. I'm always confident. I'm gonna put my hands up at the end of the fight. And win or lose, I'm gonna lose on my feet. Win or lose, I'm on my feet always at the end of the fight. Wow. So. That's a really strong, hey, you talked also about the Wim Hof method. Uh, uh, you can, for example, use the intention to go into an ice bath. But what I hear you say is you use the intention like by going into the ring and confidence, a strong will, but also in a way, the art of how you deal with failing in a way, right? Because you, yeah, you, yeah. you go in with the idea of winning, but you mastered also the art of losing in a way because you can't win if you also can't lose, right? So first of all, let me dissect that a little bit further. You say confidence, but probably confidence, how did it was created? Because I, if I would be in your shoes, first time going to a ring, I wouldn't have that much confidence. So how did you, yeah, let's say, got to that point and say, hey, confidence is a part, but how did you develop it? Oh, gee. How did I develop it? I just, I just, I've just always had a strong will, and with confidence is also comes along with um, if you come up against something that's bad, you come up against someone that's really, really big. Most people are going to be scared of this person. So what I do is I just turn around, I just turn every situation around, and I make it. I find a way to make what could be hard, what could be a negative, into a positive. So when someone's that big. And I'm this big. So I just say, okay, it's his disadvantage because I'm smaller than him and he's got less targets to hit and I've got and he's bigger than me and I've got way more targets to hit. So I just put it like that. Wow. So that, that was one of my my main my main things in which everyone um, knows me in Australasia is um, I never fear any anyone because well, you know, you do. Like I meet them at the weigh in or I meet them a week before the press conference. Actually I I'd be quite inconfident. And I would be thinking, whoa, I can't even reach his head. He's so tall. But when I see him on fight day, whoa, I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat him up. I'm going to eat him up because there's no way out. The only way out is fight. And so you may as well go for it. You're already, you're already in there, so you may as well go 100%. Um, so I was just, I was good at that. Yeah. So to, to sum that up in a way, and I, I, you see me smiling because – let's say in psychology, we call it a cognitive reframe. You have a situation and you can look at one way uh, at it, but you changed, let's say, you took back control or you took back influence around that and you put another frame around the situation that made it a totally different perspective. Like he's big, he can fall harder, for example. Uh, Yeah, I'm bigger. So it's just, let's say, and it's not positive thinking, it's just putting another meaning Absolutely. You just right. got to look at it a different way and make it into your positive. Or you go into a fight and let's say you've got an injury. Well, who hasn't got an injury when you're going to fight? You just got to remind yourself that I wonder where his injury is. I'm going to find his injury. <laughs> I'm going to find his sickness. You know, not many times you go into a fight 100%. Most people, a lot of people, like my students, they'll be like, oh, but I'm sick. And I'm saying, no, well, he probably is too. Most probably 90%. I'm telling you, I had 100 fights. Maybe three of them are fought at hundred percent, and so you just you've just got to find the other person's sickness or weakness or injury, and so, you just got to believe that whatever you have, they have too. Yeah. So, so in a way, what I hear, and I thank you for this. I, I really love this because it's uh, it's the work you do now with your students, but also with the Wim Hof method. But it's also my clients; they are experiencing the same thing. So, in a way, the, the focus you teach them to direct the focus into another, let's say, area. Because yes, you can focus on your own injuries, but what I hear you say, when you're in the fighting game, most of the time, everybody has an injury. So you can focus on your own injury or you can focus on 
finding the injury of the other and leverage in a way that wouldn't it be better to focus on the other person's injury and not your own yeah of course otherwise it, yeah. you're miserable because it's, it's gonna, it's gonna give you a bit more confidence isn't it yeah oh wow <laughs> yeah you see me smiling you 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 fire me on when we talk about things like that so in a way what sets you apart being that world champion six-time world record holder is that your strongest suit, your strongest asset is really how you approach mindset, uh, Jason. I mean, so then we just called it spirit. My spirit was, my spirit was unbreakable. Yeah. My spirit, my mindset was unbreakable. And it had to be as a, as a small person. Because I, I was, so my biggest accomplishment was fighting a super heavyweight world title. That's no weight, no weight limit, no height, you know. So the people were always bigger than me, always. Um, but I really... Oh, I really believe in this, you know. You can find his spirit. You find his spirit on the inside. Once his spirit crumbles, doesn't matter. Everything else falls down too. Straight up. Wow. Everything comes falling down once you once you eat his spirit. I don't know how to teach that exactly because I just find someone's spirit. I find his spirit. I look straight through his eyes. I find his heart and I eat his heart. What When it comes to, let's say, performance, let's call it performance in general, there are always like two drivers in, in life. It's like you can be driven by pain, for example, and you want to be seen more in life. And, and like when you're becoming a world champion, everybody is looking at you. Or you can be driven by, let's say, pleasure, like the, the carrot is so juicy or that steak that is hanging there is so juicy and you want it. If you look back at your whole professional career in, in the fighting game, uh, Jason, and you would be like, 200% honest to yourself and in this case to me and, and the other people that are listening to it what was your driving force was it pain to run away from something or was it a game that was so big that you needed to have that I didn't like to lose mm. um, I didn't like to lose and it made me feel alive and you know when I was younger I, I, had, a, I, had, a, I had a bad temper mm -hmm. um, but getting in the ring man I could just let it out and there's no trouble, no trouble from the police even. You get to beat someone up and it's all legal and you get paid for it. But let me tell you, I didn't give a shit about the money. The money was just a bonus. The money was a bonus. It was the accomplishment of um, beating someone that, you know, he's trained just like you. He's trained twice a day for six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. So you're both training so hard, and to get that accomplishment, you don't know. I mean, there's a there's a risk that you're going to get knocked out. It's just a high, It's just a really high, high winning in the ring when you've sacrificed so much for six weeks. You've sacrificed parties. You've sacrificed your friends, different ages. It was the 21st, then it was the 30th, mm -hmm. then it was the 35th. You know, as you got older. You miss all those parties. You miss going out drinking with everyone. So you sacrificed. You miss having sex even. You know, I even gave up sex to win that fight in the ring. As a um, young guy, that's a high prize, <coughs> right? Yeah. So, um, so the, the high is just, the high is very addictive. So, so what I hear you say is, is the high is uh, is so addictive or the accomplishment, right? The, the, the game. The accomplishment. Because, yeah, it's, yeah, it's so great that you would be willing, because everything comes with a price, you would be willing to pay the price to miss out on so many things in, let's say, your average Absolutely. life. Absolutely. So it's, if the Absolutely. balance would really be like, okay, the gain is so big, everything else can be just... Absolutely. That's you're right on the button. Right on the button. Yeah. And is that is that something that if you, you now train people, is that literally, if you look at people, probably, hey, you're you're specialized in mindset too. Could you, let's say, reasonably quickly now see someone like, hey, this person has it or this person has it not, not maybe the fighting style, but mostly the spirit that we're talking about? In the spirit, absolutely. So, for example, if you and me went to a fight, let's say these two guys are fighting for the Netherlands title. So they're pretty good. They're not, you know, if they're fighting for Netherlands title, they're probably world-class. They're not number one, but they're probably in the top 10 of the world. So we see these two fighters, and then one guy is really good, really technical. You'll probably pick that guy, as, as you do. Then I'll see the other guy. He's, he might be losing the fight, but I'll see 
that it ain't phasing him that he's losing. It ain't phasing him that he's getting hurt, that he just keeps going forward, that he wants it. So he's got a big, hungry heart. I'll choose this guy. Mm-hmm. I'll choose the guy with the heart. For example, if you've never seen fights before, of course you're going to go for the best technician because yeah. you've never seen it before. Yeah. But I can go past that. I can go past and I can find, okay, this one's got a stronger spirit. He's getting hit, but he's he's not giving up. He's not showing away. He's still coming back. I'll choose that guy because that guy you can keep teaching more and more and more. Yeah. I, I love that idea. And that not only relates to the fighting world, it relates to business. It relates to, let's say, life. It's like building teams in a way you're saying, yes, yes, you can have the highest degrees, you can have the most expertise. And now talking just more like a business perspective. But if somebody has a hungry heart and really wanting to do what is necessary in a way like what you have get high from the fighting, you would be willing to pay the price. If you would be a CEO of a big company, you would always still, let's say, hire that person. And you know, Daniel, in saying that, everything that I deal with with people, with um, business, with contracts, it all revolves around fighting. I always choose the, I always choose the spirit, you know, because then you, then you might join a company that, okay, I'm a hard worker. You join a company and the company has a bad run. COVID, he's going to get rid of some people. He ain't going to get rid of me because I've chosen this company because I think the boss has got a big heart and he, and, and he'll see the same in me. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. It works both ways. And, but it's literally, and, and that's why I love it. In that, and I'm always like, I know that you're in the fighting world and I know that you're on your gym and you run your businesses and you're promoting the fights in, in New Zealand. But if we would just get it bigger and zoom out, and if you would look at like the whole corporate world, for example, uh, heart in a way and, and, and determine, determination always will win from, let's say, expertise. And market. if you've got a, if you've got a big heart in business, like if you're just a real go-getter in business, well, if someone if someone came to rob you or beat you up for no reason in the street, this businessman who's probably never had a fight in his life, he'll probably stand up for himself because he's got a big heart. He's got, you know he's got a big heart in the ring, out of the ring, in business, in your family life. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's and that's one. I uh, just when you were talking, I've written down several things. It was confidence. It was a strong will. It was that high that you experienced in when you would win, and you say the money isn't uh, important, and that's really it's a bonus. It's a bonus. It's a bonus. Yeah. Like everybody, everybody loves money. There's nothing wrong with it. Just to make yeah. clear that, right? But you weren't driven, so your driver in itself wasn't the money. It was the high, and it was like uh, the win. And that's the win. To win, right? Yeah. And yeah. Talking about that back, that motivation and that strong heart and also talk, looking back at business and how we can transfer that into everyday life, you know, when you're in, the, let's say, sports, there's always a winner and there is always a loser, right? There, there needs to be a loser. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I talk a lot about the art of successful failing and in a way, the art of successful losing. If you would look back to the times that you have lost, uh, Jason, how did you deal with loss in your times being a fighter? Oh, man, you know, and uh, so one, one fight that I had was a really big loss. Um, I hadn't lost in New Zealand for 10 years. Daniel. I was the man. I was famous. I was on TV. I was in lots of papers and that. And I went up a few weights. It was my first jump into the Super Heavyweights in the K1. K1 was the most prestigious tournament in the world then. Yeah. So I went up my first time in the Super Heavyweights. Never lost anything in 10 years. I hadn't lost. I got knocked out first round. First round. It's the first time i ever been knocked out. I got knocked out. Man, I, honestly, that was on a Saturday night. Monday. I didn't teach my class. I was too embarrassed to go to my class. I was really down. So what I did was I just thought, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. But I was just too shy. I was too ashamed to face anyone. So I rang, I rang and emailed a few fighters that were before me and higher than me. And I said, shit, what do you do? I, I'm too ashamed to um, face anyone. What do I do? But I um, want to fight again. And they just they just told me a few things that you know yourself and um, certain books to read, <laughs> certain books to read, and uh, sports psychiatrist. So I went and saw a sports psychiatrist. 
I read a couple of those books. I can't remember what they are now. The next year, Daniel, I went into this tournament. The guy that won it was in there. The guy that knocked me out was in there. And three of the top gym, that was my old my old gym, actually. I fought all three of them. Uh, it was three fights in one night. I fought all three of them, and I knocked out the last year's champion in the final. Wow. Like, that's a, that's a comeback. That's a comeback. One year, it took me one year. Yeah, let's let's zoom in on that comeback because you've lost. And what I really appreciate, what I hear you saying, that's that's an art in itself. You reached out for help. You reached yeah. out for help for people that you knew in, in, in the field. And then you started to work reading some books, going to the psychiatrists. What was the, what was your, let's say, biggest insight about yourself that you worked on? Because yes, you came back, you won. But for me and the people that are listening to this, like, hey, you, you, everybody has moments in your life that the outcome is not what you expected. And then probably we label it as failing. But how did you deal with, let's say, that year in between? How did you recover from what you called your own failure at that time? Okay, so, so sometimes what I've seen with fighters is they'll dwell on loss and they'll dwell on loss and they'll be so scared of that one thing that they lost to or, they, for example, me that I got knocked out by. I saw it. I recognized it, I recognized what my mistake was, and I just made sure, and I practiced it a hundred thousand times, and I made sure that I never made that mistake again. And I wasn't scared of that again. But some people will go into a fight because they got knocked out by this, and they'll be so scared of that. I'm not going to make that mistake again. It's picking your fight apart. What can I, is it evaluating, evaluating, learning, and moving on, not dwelling on it. That's the main thing that, a lot of my young fighters do is they'll just dwell on they'll dwell on that. They won't let go of it. You gotta let go of it. You gotta learn, pick it. Okay, you know what he's good at. You know what your mistake was. You're not gonna make that mistake again. Yeah. And just and practice it a hundred times, a thousand times, and you won't make it again. And then you move on and you move onwards and upwards. Now, thank you for sharing that. Um, because in a way, what I hear you say is that. A lot of people, let's say, feel something about it, that you are upset about it and bummed, that's fine, right? But what you're saying in a way is let go of it. And that means, let go of it. Yeah, that means literally, and that's what, what I see, is that when we fail as human beings, we connect it to who we are as human beings. But you, you literally use the words let go of it, so you feel it. Perfect, because that makes yeah. it you. But then you let go of it, so it is more connected to the outcome instead of to yeah. who you are as a human being. And then you had the opportunity, instead of being frozen by it, being rock solid and not able to move anymore, you leverage that to start to explore, okay, what was it? What is my part in this, let's say, the field? That 100%, 100%. So, like, like I'll, I'll get fighters that lose today, and they'll lose, and they'll be dwelling, they'll be dwelling. I'll see them the next week, and I'll say, hey, look, let's say, what did you do? What was the mistake? What did he do good? What did your opponent do good? Okay, so he did that really good. What did you do bad? You did this bad. You did this bad. That's why, that's why he was able to catch you like this. Okay, so what can we do to fix this so you don't do this next time? Okay, boom, that's it. Now, let's leave that fight behind, move on, look forward to getting better, and not making that same mistake again, and not getting caught with that same that same hit or kick that you got with last time. Don't dwell on it. Live, yeah. learn, move on. Yeah, because in a way, otherwise, if they would dwell on it and would they would go back in the ring, they have that internal They'll always dialogue, be scared right? of it. Yeah, they have yeah. that internal dialogue. You will lose, or you're not good enough. Yes. And what if yes. you make it? The, the 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 famous like what if, right? What yes. if you yeah. make that mistake again, and then they freeze up. Yeah. And probably their full potential is inhibited instead of being released to what they can do, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Fantastic. I, I I love that we can connect together the dots between a human psychology and what you have also the experience you have with your fighters, but also yourself. So let's dive a little bit in fear, right? You just shared with me like that, that fear, can, that inhibitor, right? That you're not fluid in a way, how you move and do your things. Um, if we would zoom in on you, Jason, and I would look you in the eyes that we're doing right now on this call, what, what was your biggest fear? If you look at your whole professional fighting career that we can zoom on that, what was your biggest fear that you had to deal with? He knocked out. Knocked out. He knocked out. 
Yeah, that that was in a way. Every time you you stepped into the ring, there was at least uh, in the back of your head, as maybe some sometimes really present, sometimes really small, that yeah. fear of being knocked out. Absolutely, that's that's my biggest fear ever. I mean, I only I got knocked out once in a hundred fights, but um, but I lost fourteen fights. I drew two. Yeah, man, just getting knocked out was just so embarrassing for me. You know, like. So my biggest fear was getting knocked out, but I used to have, I used to chant, I used to hypnotize myself. Can't get knocked out, can't get knocked out, can't get knocked out. Feel no pain, feel no pain. I'm always going to end on my feet. Um, so I, uh, yeah, so I, I spent a bit of time talking to my brain, looking myself in the eyes in the mirror, and I talked to it. I'd say it out loud. No one taught me this, Daniel. No one taught me this. I just made it up myself. But it used to work. Look my look my eyes in the mirror. I'd say that uh, you know for about six weeks leading up to the fight, can't get knocked out, can't get knocked out. You feel no pain, feel no. Pain. And you know, at the start, six weeks out, for example, one guy, six foot eleven, he was one hundred thirty five kilos, he had eight percent body fat, he was a beast. So before that fight, I was a little bit inconfident, okay, and I thought, how the hell am I going to beat him? But I just did this every day, every night. Then you start dreaming of what you're visualizing. Mm. No one taught me this. You start dreaming about it, you'll go to dream, you'll go to sleep, and you're like, fuck, I dreamt that I beat that guy, you know, and I've only just been saying to it. So now, at the start, I might have been a little bit, mm, didn't believe myself, a little bit uh, inconfident, but at the end of six weeks or two months, man, I fully believe it. I believe it so much. I've hypnotized myself uh, that, I'm, that I'm even dreaming it now. I forced, I didn't make myself. I just visualized it so much, said it to myself. In the last week, you're, you're falling asleep and dreaming it. And you're waking up like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic example of, I'm in the field of personal development, as you know. So a lot of people say, yeah, use your affirmations uh, to constantly as I yeah. say, program yourself. And now with YouTube and uh, the world is connected in a much uh, different way. Or Daniel, uh, or, or, you know, or even reprogram yourself because at the beginning of this camp, I've got a picture of the guy and I know how big he is. I don't think I'm going to beat him. I don't even know that I can hit his head. It's reprogramming. Then you reprogram, well, in a, in a sense, you reprogram, you hypnotize, you say it again and again and again. You don't believe it for the first week or the second week. By the third week, you fully believe it. You even think that you're bigger than the guy. And you're one foot shorter than the guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. So in a way, your perception of reality literally changed by by doing that. And and I I know that this works, of course. But most people they just don't start because they feel silly or they don't have the grit and the determination uh, determination yeah. to, to set it on. So do you have like any insight how that was for you the first time when you look in a mirror and you say to yourself like, hey, I'm going to beat this guy. I'm bigger than him. I'm bigger than him. Did you feel also that, let's say, uncomfortable kind of feeling when you start to do it because nobody, yeah, there yeah. was no science available. Yep. You just found it out by doing. How was that the first I, time? I, I, I just did, it. and yeah, no, and, and and at first, um, yeah, it feels like you're just lying to yourself. Yeah. But I just keep doing it. I keep doing it. I say it. I look in my eyes. I say it out loud, and and then, like I said, then I kind of hypnotize myself. Like after two, three weeks, yeah, I believe it. I believe myself. I believe myself. I don't lie to myself. I'm saying it out loud, so my ears have heard it. I forced it. I forced it upon the universe. Yeah, so so that's what I say is, I would call it a type of self hypnotism. Absolutely, absolutely. And did you, by the way, for the people that are listening to this, did you also use your body in a way, or was it only like talking to yourself and look at yourself? Uh, uh, just eyes. So so what I, what I used to do is um, I look in my eyes. So you don't lie to yourself. So you never lie to yourself. I look no. in my eyes. I say it out loud for the world to hear it because the world might have a, the universe might have a different plan than mine. But I'll say it out loud. So that my ears hear it, so I don't, I will do what I say I'm going to do. And the, I'll force the universe into my plan. That was, that was my thinking of it. Wonderful. 
Wonderful. That's a wonderful thing. I know that you're now into the Wim Hof method and use the breath also for, like, say, people to switch their state, right? The state of being. Oh, man. Yeah, it works, of course, wonderfully. Are there, uh, and I talk a lot about the Wim Hof method, so I'm interested with your background besides breathing and the cold. Are there other things that, that you do with your fighters to help them, let's say, deal with that internal dialogue that is going on. You already shared with looking yourself in your eyes and literally reprogram yourself. But on the spot, let's say I'm uh, doing a fight and you're my coach. And let's say there's that voice within me creeping up and I still get a little bit frozen up. What would you recommend doing to switch my state? What was the number one thing you would give me? Well, okay. So so I, I do this with my fighters. I make them all look in the eyes. Uh, look in their eyes and I make them lead, do it up to their fight and see, and see their demons are different from mine. So they've got to have their own uh, chant. They've got to make up their own chant that makes it, makes it, makes it work for them. That makes uh, their, their mind click, that makes their mind uh, get hypnotized. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it, it might not be the same as me. It might not be, they might not get fear of getting knocked out. Um, they might not feel pain, but they've got to find their own chant if you get into fight, man, I'm I'm just like, well, what I, what I would say is, well, Daniel, you're gonna get in the ring, right? There's a good chance that you're gonna get hurt <laughs> because, and uh, and I mean, you you're not just gonna lose. I mean, you're gonna hurt. So since you are getting in, because you're getting in there, right, Daniel, you're not you're not you're not gonna say no to me a minute before the fight. So you're getting in there, so give it 100 percent, mind, soul, and body, because that's your best chance without hesitation. So, for example, then, for a first fighter, he's, he's trained for three months, six months, and, he, you know, for that whole time, he's like, oh, I want to fight, I want to fight. Then in the last week, he's like, holy shit, this is a really scary sport. Yeah. This is a real scary sport. Oh, I don't, and he's trained so well. So now I just say, hey, look, man, you're going to do it, right? So if you go in there at 50% mindset, well, there's a good chance that you're going to get hurt, right? Because your opponent's going to see it. So since you are going to do it anyway, you might as well give 100% mentally, physically, because that's going to give your body and brain the best chance, right? And then I talked them into it, then they realized, actually, you're right. You're right, because I was so keen for the whole three months, and I've just become hesitant in the last week. And you're right, if I go in there like this, he's going to see this. My opponent's going to see this. So it is better if I give it. And I just... I just make them believe that, man, you're doing it anyway. You're risking it. Not me. I'm in the corner. Yeah. So if you're going to do it, you may as well put 100% into it. And I'm good at I'm good at doing this. Yeah. I'm good at making someone dive into it 100%. Yeah. So and, then, and, then, and, and then that is their best chance. Honestly, that's their best chance. Yeah. Because you're in literally in the corner and you can deal with yeah. it in ways, let yourself be beaten up or go fully for it. And, and yeah. that's a wonderful thing because we, we spoke about fear, right? And with fear, you can run away from it or you can go pass through it. And that's a wonderful thing and also a metaphor for life. Most people just don't start to get moving because the fear freezes them up or let them run away. But if you want to create change in your life, just like with a fight and your fighters, they need to go through it to become at the other end. doesn't matter what the outcome and if you lose or if you win, but you create a new, let's say, internal reality within yourself. Like you've went through it. You know Absolutely. how to deal with that fear, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And, and you know what you're saying there, and the thing is um, you went through it whether you won or lost because you went through it 100% with, and you throw all your inhibitions away and you dove into it deep. Whether you win or lose, it doesn't matter at the end because you just did something that you never knew you could do before. Exactly. You just did it. You, you know, so, so you come out a different person. You come out, uh, step up, uh, level up from the person that you were before that whether you won or lost, because you have leveled up. Do you understand that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I constantly bring it back to that everyday life because I can be in a Wim Hof method workshop with you and it's the same with the eyes. But it can also be when you're in a relationship that feels like shit and you want to get out of it. But the fear of that change is, let's say, putting you back into the corner. But if you go through it and you break up that relationship and go through your fears or go for that new job, everybody's saying, yeah, what's the best decision in your life? 
but that's only pause when you go past your fears. Yes. Past in this way, the beating. Yeah. I, I think it's a wonderful thing that you can almost say every time in life you go past a certain type of beating and it can be a physical one with you being in the ring. But yeah, you're even like a father. So with dealing with your kids can be a challenge in life too, right? Dealing with your own absolutely. being a father, uh, if not, yeah. right? Yeah, how is that? How does that? Let's say that's a wonderful thing to to make a little bit of a sidestep. And yeah, I saw your wonderful kids. One is at a university right now. You're free there with you, with your background and all the things you've learned about personal development. You're comfortable in, let's say, the field of being in the ring. You're comfortable of training fighters, but then you enter a whole new field of play, as I call it, being a father. Yeah, being with your experience and you enter such a new field, how was it to become a father and deal with that and yourself mostly? Coming from a fighter to a father, you've got to realize that they're not fighters. No. They're not fighters and um, you've got to be – what was different for me was um, you've got to show them emotion, all sorts of emotions. You can't be the guy in the ring that has no emotions, that is uh, the best poker player in the world. And I've learned that well. I've learned that with my wife as well, that I show all sorts of emotions because it doesn't change the man that I am. Wow. I'm still a tough cunt. I still smash people over in the ring. <laughs> um, yes. I've just got, and I just show my heart. I just show my heart, everything to them. I show the good, the bad. Um, I show kindness. I show love. And I teach other fighters too that, hey, it doesn't matter how you are in the ring. When you're at home, you just give them what they need. And that's everything. That's good, bad, soft, angry, happy, sad, but they don't need tough all the time. Yeah, and and, and thank you for addressing that and also that you do the same thing with your fighters. I, I'm really interested in that because the most most of my clients are men and what I see is that men, we have that basic programming, I'm generalizing right now, but that we have the basic programming that's showing emotions besides being the tough guy, being strong. That, that is what we need. Yeah, that's the belief that most of us have installed. That's what you need to be a man. And what I hear you say, like uh, several world titles on your name, that showing your emotions is one of the strongest things you can do. It, 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 and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make your heart any smaller that you show happiness, love, crying. You still, you still got a big heart. You still got a big heart. Uh, it just means it's, it's 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 actually stronger. You're actually stronger that you can um, show all different sides to this um, fighter. Yeah, it's it's the warrior and the lover in a way, right? That that they yeah. they blend, yeah. blend together. You say I had to learn that, and especially it already started with like getting a partner in your life, right? And then you're in the ring, and you're the tough guy, and you train, and you're the tough guy, and in a way, showing emotions probably is not the most helpful. Uh, no, no, I, I did have to learn. I learned it from my wife. My wife now, yeah, like I, I, I didn't used to show emotion. I never used to hold my girlfriend's hand even. Wow. I never let her hold my. I just like don't you hold my hand with the. They'll think I, I never used to do that, but she used to touch me, kiss me. So from her, I just I know, and then I just realized, hey man, and you know, I never used to cry at movies, Daniel. Never cry at movies, and then I realized at thirty, like. It's not going to make a difference to the way I fight in the ring. I can cry in a movie. I can kiss my. I can let my girlfriend kiss me. I can uh, let my kids come and hug me in front of everyone. So then I did it, and it feels really good. And now I cry in any movie. I cry <laughs> in all sorts of movies. I cry before the kids cry in a cartoon. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I, I I fully are on the same page with you, and I think. As, as I'm now speaking for, for the men that I work with and myself being a man, that the moment you start to learn how to cry again and show your emotions, you're truly tapping into your, let's say, fullest potential. Because yeah. it, I think it's like an orchestra. When you make music and you have like 50 people making music together with that basic programming, only being strong, only being tough. And there are only like two players that make the music. But then in a way we're saying go away with the rest of the music players. And then the music will sound like yeah. shit. But when you have yeah. all the players available, yeah. being angry, being, let's say, afraid, being insecure, we all have those, let's say, players that make music together. And if you neglect a part, 
they're not being heard and that will always press on who you are as yes. a legend or a yeah. human being. Well said, brother, 100%. Yeah, but I really love it because I know that the field that you're in, and I think probably, I think it's one of the biggest challenges probably you have to deal with being a coach and a trainer also. Like, yeah, it's cool that you can train them to be tough guys, but at the same time to train them how to be a better human being outside of them. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm very good at it. I teach my men to be, you know, loyal to the woman that they're with, that it's it's okay to have one girlfriend, you don't need to have three or four because... <laughs> A lot of sportsmen, um, you know, that, that's when I started, it was like, that's what everyone thought. But I was one of the first to just say, hey, I've got one woman. I'll just tell people. And I put it out there loud, and I'm, I, I'm very loving to my children in front of anyone and everyone. I'm a teacher of this to my kickboxing community in New Zealand. Wow. I teach them that tough guys can be emotional and loving and caring. Yeah, uh, and that's what I appreciate when we met in real life. Like I, I've had, you heard some rumors like, "Hey, he's a world champion," and blah blah blah. And like, okay, and then you look you on 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 uh, Jason Psycho Suti, and even the, <laughs> the title that you get. But knowing you, you're one of the most warmest personalities that that I know. And Thanks. also, um, yeah, being a guy, being that open, and I really appreciate that. And also the fact that you share here today that you had to learn that because I know that people. Honestly, Daniel, it was like probably from my 30s. Before then, Daniel, I never used to, you know, if I did that course with you in 2008, if I'd done that 15 years earlier, you wouldn't have got a word out of me. I'll just be learning and I'll just shut my mouth, wouldn't make any of my friends. I'll be too shy to meet everyone. So what you saw is, is what you saw is I've just grown into this person yeah, in, the, in the last 17 years. And in saying that as well, the Wim Hof Method has made me a lot more spiritual, a lot more open, a lot more accepting of all sorts of people, to be honest. That community, of course, is so colorful with all kinds of different people yeah. that, that are walking around. Now, and two questions I have for you. First of all, you say, hey, I've learned that. I know, for example, with, with interviews I did with firefighters and other high performers, they have like a ritual to transition from, in your case, the ring to being at home. Is there, let's say, something that you do to make that transition of like having all those emotions available and yeah, being in the ring and like psh, you're on? Is there something that switches within you? And what is that? Uh, my, 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 my switch is a little bit different from other people. So, man, uh, my, my, my switch is, um, it's kill or be killed. Man, to, to get in the ring, I mean, the way that I am with my family and my friends, and that's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I don't have to be a tough guy to them. I can switch. But when I, when I get in the ring, I, be, I just, uh, yeah, I, I put a helmet on. I put a helmet on and it's like, my helmet is unbreakable now. And it's unbreakable. I feel no pain. And whoever's in front of me in this ring is going to pay. He's going to pay. He's going to pay. He's going to lose. And he's going to feel pain. And that was my mindset. And that's how, I, that's, how I, that's how I did it. Yeah. And then you're in and let's say you're on. And then the, the beautiful thing is because let's say a lot of my clients are CEOs, for example, and they, they are in, the, let's say, the boardroom and they do their thing and they have a hard time switching to being the man, the father, the emotional man that can show his emotion at home. Is there also a transition for you when you get, is it literally when you step out of the ring that the other guy shows up again? Finished. Yeah, finished. So, so in the ring, the person is challenging me. Yeah. The person is challenging me. It's, he's challenging my pride. He's challenging my family. He's challenging my gym. So as soon as I'm out, all these people, they're not in front of me. They're not trying to, they're not, they're not in the ring. So they're, they're no threat to me. So every other side comes out. Yeah. So it's literally a light switch when you're in it or yeah. when you're not. And, you know, I always want to know the nitty gritty stuff when it comes to performance. So when you are training, you're not in the ring and it's not mattering. No. So would you say that's like a, a switch that's a little bit in the middle because you still need that drive and motivation to, let's yeah. say, it's so, fun. Okay, yes, okay, I got you, I got you. So Daniel, so when I meet my opponent a week before, a day before, he's not my enemy. Uh, he's not my enemy. 
And so what, what happens is, I know it's a sport, but this is how I used to think of it. I'm being very honest. So, so people say, what do you miss about the ring? You know what I miss about the ring? I miss my unbreakable brain. I was meet this guy, six foot eleven. I always bring that because this guy was this guy was scary. Six foot eleven. When I meet him at the WAN, he's not my enemy then. So I just look at him as he's a fucking monster. He's a monster. Um, he could really hurt me. But the next day in the ring when he's standing in front of me, he's my enemy. Because he's he's trying to take my pride away, my name, my gym's way, my family. So then I can't lose to him, 100%. Then I'm unbreakable. So I miss that part of my brain. Yeah. And, yes, yeah, so it's a switch for the person standing in front of me in the ring. Yeah. Um, when I'm out of the ring, I'm all good. I love everyone. Yeah, I, I know that. So if you would do your workouts uh, then, Jason, and let's say the preparation when, when the guy's not there, you're not in the ring, would you imagine – a little bit how it is to be in the ring so that you still have that driving force to 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 put actually so on. so when i when i had a boxing bag i always see his face ah and i hit i hit the bag with with conviction with malice you know i'm trying to hurt the bag um when i see the pad holder because say i don't know if you say so you have a pad holder holding pads for you yeah i don't yeah. see my pad holder so my goal my goal is to make my pad holder lie down at the end of training And I've done it. Yeah. I've done it. I've done it where I've just gone so hard that the pad holder at the end of it should be the fighter liner. My pad holder's on the ground. And that's my goal. Yeah. Because I saw my opponent's face. Yeah. So in a way, and that's, and that's, and, and you know me, I want to get it out in the world that everybody where you are, you can use, let's say, insights like this. So what I, in a way, hear you say is you recall that person wherever you needed it to yeah yeah into a certain state right so yeah and, and the wonderful thing is I, i i did also an interview with wim two years ago and he and we were talking about the research and, and the world records and what we then found out with him is that when somebody was calling him for an invitation of a world record or doing a scientific research he was already on so you see the guy And for him, it was just a phone call. So it's a wonderful way that as human beings, we have ways to enter a certain type of state. And you do it with visualization and seeing that guy. to, yeah. to get and, so, so there, and another one, Dennis, there used to be a mountain that I used to run. So I'd say to myself, it's going to take me nine times up this mountain to beat this fighter. I'll see that guy at the top of the mountain. I'll see that top of the mountain. Am I not going to do it nine times? I've never done it nine times before. I'll do it nine times because I already gave myself a challenge and he's at the top. At the end of the nine times, I'm stomping on the mountain because I beat him. Thank you for adding this, uh, Jason, because then I even hear you say you see him when it comes to the pads or the, or the, the back. Yeah. In this case, you also have an internal dialogue about, hey, if I want to beat this guy, I need to run it nine times and he's on the yeah. top. So I need to be sure that I'm the fastest, the strongest I can be to get to that top, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You, you, just, you just set challenges. In there. And if you put your opponent at the end of that challenge, you're not going to fail. You're going you're gonna to succeed 1,000%. Yeah, that, that's, that's wonderful. That's the interesting thing is you put yourself into that whole course of the Wim Hof method. Was it a challenge, for example, that you were experiencing stress in the cold the first time because you're used to being in the ring, but then you put yourself into that cold and that's another stressor. And, and what I see, and the reason that I'm asking is when I work with the highest high performers like you, when I put them into a context that they don't know, and in this case, can be cold, can also be something else. They're not in that comfortable zone where, let's say it's a stress zone, but they're comfortable in that stress zone. When you place them and put them into another stress zone, they're still stressed like crazy. How was that for you to enter your first ice bath ever, ever uh, Jason? So I, I used to look at my ice baths until I came to the course with you. And I think it was you. I always used to take it as a fight. And so it was me against the ice. So I'd always, I know, and they go, oh, why don't you just try um, being one with the cold? It was in, the, it was in that um, pond that we used to go to. Yeah. Why don't you just try being one? And I've never tried this because it was always a fight for me. So I never lose the fight. I always win the fight. So that was a different. So that's what I do now, half-half. Um, now I'm in. Now I'm in and I, I become one of it. 
before that, I just used to it used to always be a fight. So the whole time that I was in there, two, three, whatever minutes, it was a fight. But now I can go in there and I can be one. But I only learned that because fighting the ice all the time is not easy. It takes energy. Yeah. It's easier to be one with it. Yeah. That's that's the concept, what I call, and I don't know if I shared it with you in these words, I call it, and maybe it's interesting for your fighters too, it's like conquering by surrendering. So you surrender. Conquering by surrendering, love it. Yeah, you love surrender it. yourself to the, to the context that you are in. So in a way, you do the same thing with your fighters because you want them to conquer in the ring, of course, but you need to surrender yourself to the circumstances that you are in because yes, you're already yes. in the ring and yeah, yeah you can just try to yeah, fight yourself yeah. in that context or you go through your fear what we're talking about and then you conquer it by surrendering yourself to the context yeah. and the with the eyes the, when you're the, in the, the eyes you always surrender to it so that you can conquer it yeah yeah i like that that's cool so, Jason, thank you so much for these wonderful insights from yeah, your, your history as a, as a world champion, but also your own fighters, transferring that in your everyday life, but also for the people, how they can integrate that into your own life. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Daniel. What a, what a pleasure. You know, you taught me a lot, Daniel. You're, you're the OG. You're the OG Wim Hof instructor. <laughs> thank you so much. So many lessons in this interview with Jason. And I'm really curious, in each of us, there is a fighter. What is it that you will implement in your everyday life? Let me know in the comments, share it with me on social media, and have a great day. Thank you for joining us. If you don't want to miss an episode of Exit the Red Race, make sure to subscribe. Are you listening through Apple Podcasts? We'd love you to leave a review. Do you know someone who really should hear this episode? Share it in your favorite social media so you can tag them. Oh, and don't forget to tag Daniel as well. Want to know more about Daniel Kluken? Check out his website at danielkluke.com. Are you ready to live your legend? See you next time. Exit the rat race. <laughs>